Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. The fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. Hello, facilitators, and welcome back to another video. My name's Marcy Melzer. I'm an intuitive speech language pathologist and language facilitation coach and consultant. And I use my platform here, Waves of Communication, to help parents and caregivers who want to facilitate spoken language, functional speech, real speech that everybody can understand. And my favorite strategy is what we're going to be talking about today, and it's storytelling. So storytelling facilitates new speech, and it just always does. And so on this video, you're going to learn why every parent should use storytelling every day. And I'm going to give you five opportunities to use storytelling as a natural language facilitation tool. And I'm going to review each one of them so that with strategies so that you can know how to use this storytelling to evolve speech using each of these opportunities. And then I'm going to share 10 signs that you are telling the right stories in the right way. Signs that your child will show you. <laughs> um, so, yep, this is what we're going to be talking about. And before we do that, I have to remind you about my new platform and virtual autism community. So everyone can sign up for my newsletter. Head to wavesofcommunication.com. Anyway, so Karen just sent me a note that said on her developmental evaluation with her child, they didn't give her child credit for things. And so they scored her lower. And as a result, she qualified for developmental therapy and all of this referral for autism when this child was an ear infection child. She said 12 weeks after starting her um work with ear tubes and language facilitation, her child is talking more and singing more and wanting to do a lot more. So yeah, I want all of you who feel like your child has been misdiagnosed definitely to head over and explore those resources. All right, let's get into today because it's a very complex action-packed video, just like I have all of them how storytelling facilitates new speech. Now, there is a problem. As always, the reason I bring these strategies to you is because um, I know that they're not being used in households. And when you are stuck in this situation, you're not storytelling. And here's why storytelling isn't happening in households and maybe why you need to start using it. So this problem in most households that is keeping the child stuck in nonverbal communication is this idea right here. Most parents and caregivers of lay talkers underestimate the child's ability to understand speech. So they speak very simple and direct the things like we're leaving now and the child is thinking but why where are we going why are we leaving what's going on they have all these internal things they're wondering but the parent who doesn't believe the child can understand these explanations just 
talks and gives directions and drags like this woman is doing in front of the child, not looking at him through the life, you know, basically. So I don't want you to be stuck and underestimate because most parents and caregivers who underestimate their kids, they limit the speech that they use. And these one word labels, short phrases and physical guidance are used instead of the detailed stories that the late talker has missed. And remember, your child is late talking because they have missed language exposure for one reason or another. They were focused on videos, they had ear infections, something was going on that distracted them away from listening to all those stories that little kids need to listen to. And so what happens is those were replaced with questions and prompts because parents fall into the habit of testing to make sure the child has understood them because you don't believe that the child can understand you. So you have to test it. And so the lack of storytelling results in a frustrating experience, right? They're not hearing the stories they need. They're hearing the prompts and questions and things like that. So they never hear the right language models for them to develop speech without storytelling. They're not getting it. And that's why they stay stuck in their nonverbal communication and all of the things that you're using. So after months and years of this experience, the child becomes increasingly frustrated with people who talk down to them. They're saying ABC123 and the child's thinking about dark matter. This frustration causes the late talker to disconnect completely from anyone. It doesn't matter if it's their mommy who is questioning and prompting instead of storytelling. And they will go and find their stories somewhere else, you see, because you are also finding your story somewhere else. Listen, zero new language will be learned while the late talker is disconnected from listening to functional speech. So this little thing right here is in my workbook. This is my workbook right here, the 11-week journey. Both of the titles are the same except for the one year. This will get you through the process to help your child and implement the storytelling. Put it into your itinerary so that you don't forget to do it. And then as you continue to do it, you are going to be ranking every day. How is the connection? with this child because if you take a look here below the line below this red line where the child you can just look at the visuals if you can't see it up close if the child is afraid or overwhelmed or uninterested or bored like they don't want you're not giving them stories they will choose to look elsewhere they will literally leave or hide from you okay now you want them above this line where they're curious, especially way above in levels five, six, and seven, where they're curious about you and excited about what you have to say and all of that stuff. But unless you get above that line, there will be no language learned because your child is stuck in fight or flight. Below the line is fight or flight. Above the line is connected learning. And you always need to keep your kid as much as possible above the line. The only fall below it then when they're triggered, right? 
But the longer they stay below the line and that disconnect happens, right, this is what causes because the resulting behaviors are not speech. It's stuff you don't want to see. So the moms go to the Internet and start to search for the signs of autism and the kids just go to the tablet to look for their stories. Right. So that's the point. It's very, very important that you do use this storytelling every day and stop wasting your time on the internet wondering about your child's symptoms. Okay, now I have used this storytelling strategy to create rapid behavior change in lay talkers and it works 100% every time. I just did it with a nonverbal autistic kid at the aquarium this week and it worked in minutes, okay? So the late talker will always reconnect immediately when I tell them stories. This is my own experience with thousands of children, and I know that it works for my clients too. And they will connect when you stop prompting them and tell them stories. So you can do this. It works for everybody. Parents do, parents and caregivers have opportunities all day long to use storytelling as a natural speech and language facilitation tool. See this lady on the top, this she's showing and playing during play activities. And this dad on the bottom has got two in his hands and he's working about feeding and he can do language facilitation too through storytelling. Even it doesn't have to be pretend play. It can be, of course, but it can be. So here are the five opportunities that I'm going to be talking about today to help you use storytelling as your tool. And you can screenshot this one if you want. Number one is developing imagination and fantasy because a lot of that is already going on in your child's head and we want to bring it out into the speech that they can use. They use their behavior to tell all these things instead of speech. So we're going to develop speech to talk about imagination and fantasy. And we're going to develop speech to talk about new independent skills that the child is learning. And you're going to use storytelling to even help them develop those skills. Then following rules and staying safe. I'm going to show you how to use storytelling to facilitate those things even faster than any other way. Through storytelling, you can get your child to start following rules. Also, using it, remembering experiences through telling stories to expand your child's speech and teach them new vocabulary and processing their emotions uh, from experiences that they had or that they see. So we're going to talk about each one of these in this video today. And we're going to be moving forward into number one right now, which is to develop imagination and fantasy, um, the speech around that. And so how we're going to do that is to bring the child's visual images out into speech that is sort of the play-by-play -play narration, the words that go with the visual images the child is thinking about. All these kids are visual, very heavily visually developed because they don't have speech and they're communicating non-verbally through the images they create with their body and their hands and their faces and all that stuff. So you are going to use physical and visual representations of the characters, environment, and behavior. And you're going to change your speech and add sound effects to help the late talker pick up new concepts and attract them, right? Like they do on videos, right? And you're going to use aspects of reality in your fantasy stories to sort of teach the lessons of your life. And so what I did was I decided today 
In fact, I was motivated by my Timu video that I did yesterday, and I've got this thing. This is a little felt storybook thing that I got. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to show you how I would use this as a conceptual thing. Now, I like this for a lot of reasons because it's familiar. So when you look inside, I've already done the preparation to get this ready to use. It's all ready with the handles. Let's go talk about my stuff that I've got to talk about, my stories that I'm going to tell. And these are familiar stories. So if your child has been watching videos, all the songs on videos, those super silly songs and the ones that are representing them, that's what these are. There's four of these songs. So I can start with talking about how I have this thing and I have these things. Without asking questions, I can get the child to choose which one of these images they want to, which one of these stories they want me to tell and use with them. So I can get one thing out of each story. So I guess what? I got this new thing for us to use. Curious new toy. Child's going to be interested. So I'm not just going to hand them the toy. I'm the facilitator. So I'm going to show them what I have inside. Look, there's four stories. This one, you can actually you don't even have to pull them out. Have them look through the window and see. This one is the five little ducks. Do you see how I'm using gestures and facial expression to really show because we're bringing the visual images out into speech. And it's not just the story. It's the aspect of getting ready to tell the story. So I'm starting to facilitate before the story starts. I'm facilitating the opportunity. I've got an opportunity for us to connect, talk about the characters you like, and learn and expand the speech you already know. Because these kids have heard these nouns. They know duck and jump and water and frog and log and tree and alligator. They know those words, but they don't know the words to tell the story, to put them together into a long thing. So I'll say I've got a, the five little ducks, and I might even say, you know, uh, sing a little bit of the song, you know, mommy, duck, said, quack, 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 that song. And then I also have, this is the frogs on the log that are eating the most delicious bugs. Remember that? Nom, nom, nom. How they eat the bugs. There's the bugs and the frogs. So I have that story to tell. See, I'm just presenting the idea so they can choose based on each one. So they're not just making a choice based on random whatever. They're choosing because of the way I'm selling each one of these stories, and they're going to buy the idea that I'm selling if they want to. They're going to choose, right, the one they want because I'm selling a options here. You could talk about the ducks. You could talk about the frogs. And I use aspects of the song to introduce it in a regular sentence like the story. This is the story of the monkeys that were in the tree that fell down and the alligator was waiting to eat them. Chomp, chomp, chomp. That's that monkey and the alligator story. And over here is another monkey story. So there's a one duck story, one frog story one two monkey stories so you can choose the monkey in the tree or the monkeys jumping on the bed and i know you know that song right so i'm just talking i haven't even started telling the story yet but i'm already telling the story about telling the story first we have a new thing second we can choose which story so then the child will reach they'll reach they'll grab they'll point they'll whatever 
And if they don't, you can make it super easy for them by grabbing one of each, putting it on the front and saying, which one do you want? Or holding it like this and telling them to grab the one they want, whatever. Remember, they're going to always respond non-verbally first when you present these stories. And so we're going to be talking about how you know they're listening later on, but this is the way you're going to do it. You're going to connect through the idea before you just pull up the book and start reading. So for kids that don't like books, this is a really good way to introduce the idea of fantasy storytelling because they like videos and not books. And these resemble like it connects. These are the same stories that they learned from their videos, from those songs, even from those things. And then you pull them out. And so you can get all of them out. <clears throat> and then the first thing that I would do is explore them before you start singing the song. So you've got your pile. We've got the bugs. We've got the frogs. We've got, you know, all this stuff. Of course, I picked the one that's green and it's going to show on my green screen. But like I said, when you put them on here, we should pick the ducks because they're yellow, right? So when you put them on here, you can put one of each thing and you can pick them out. <clears throat> and, and how these stories work, it's so nice. Like they're just stuck right on here. You can even open the whole thing up to make it big. So the ducks go from, you know, the mommy duck doesn't know where they are. She goes to find them. She brings them back. You know, mommy duck says quack, quack, quack. All little ducks came swimming on back because we put the pond. Oh, it fell down. Sorry. Here's my pond down here. <laughs> and interestingly, after you sing that song, because you've got other characters, you can mix and match them. So also, Sometimes, do you know that ducks eat bugs too? Maybe the frogs will invite the ducks over for lunch and they'll have bugs together because there's bugs to eat in here. That's what I like about any of these felt things because you can intermix them. And if you use things that are like, um, you know, a household that has doll furniture in it with the, the plastic ones, like these are just the felt ones, but you can use the plastic ones too. All of those have these aspects. Now, one of the other things on this was to really um, use aspects of reality in your fantasy stories, right? Those are like the videos that you see, um, you know, the more story-like ones where you have the Paw Patrol, like where they're on a mission, right? There's a problem and they've got to solve the problem. And then they celebrate that they solved the problem and everybody's grateful that they were helpful and all of that stuff. Those are stories, fantasy stories, literally animals talking, right? And the Paw Patrol that are based on reality and so many of the stories that you can get. So I picked this book. I love this little book. It's called Hug Time. And one of these characters is loves hugs and he wants to hug the world because he thinks it's going to make the world better. So first of all, these are animals. They're not people. And this little animal hugs. He gets on a train and he goes and hugs people on the train and he gets on a boat and he goes to the boat and he hugs people on the boat and he hugs animals and he hugs trees and he hugs all these different things because there are people all over the world to connect with and hug. And so it's a fantasy situation about a real life feeling. So I love books that talk about feelings and emotions. We'll talk about that later too. But that's how you're going to use, you see, these fantasy situations by matching 
the fantasy aspects, the talking animals, the monkeys jumping on the bed, to reality, like the alligators, those birds falling down into the, the monkeys falling down into the alligator's mouth. Um, I said birds because that's what happens in Florida. And that's how the alligators eat. They do. They hide under trees. So this is a real thing that you can do. So that's number one is how to use storytelling. It's sort of the, the way that most people would think to use storytelling with actual fantasy stories. Now, the way that I think storytelling is can be most effectively used is through telling stories while you're teaching kids about the um, things that you're teaching them. So uh, you want to tell stories about the experience of how the experience should be, how it has been, how it is when it's good, how it is when it's bad. You're just going to be talking about this experience of brushing teeth or riding a bike or traveling a long distance in a car and having to wait, you know, sit in the car for five hours and go to the bathroom in a new place. Or I was just thinking about that, like a road trip or go to a new school or anything that you are facilitating this child to do independently. You want them to do it on their own. Number one is that you should demonstrate all of the steps to tell a story of the activity from the beginning to the end. Instead of prompting step by step by step by step, this is a very common habit for parents of late talkers because remember, they don't believe the kids can understand a three-step direction. So they don't give three-step directions. You need to give, demonstrate from the time you grab the, the, the toothbrush out of the cup to the time that you put it in your mouth, right? That is what you're demonstrating to the time that you put it back and you spit out the water, all the steps. First, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, right? So that's how you're going to do. And then the physical and visual aids to teach tips and tricks and strategies, right? So this is how you're going to use, again, bringing the visual aspects that the child is good at out into the reality of your opportunity, this current event that you're doing right now while you talk about it. And you're going to tell the stories about how you learned the skill in the past from previous experiments and experiences. So how you're going to do this is you're going to choose the skill that you want to teach. So toothbrushing, for example, is a really good one because um, it's it takes a while to get very good at toothbrushing. And some people never get good at it because they haven't had a, the right kind of teaching. They don't understand the importance, <laughs> excuse me, of toothbrushing. They don't understand why it's important to brush your teeth well, why it's important that you use toothpaste, why it's important that when your toothbrush is yucky, you get rid of it and get a new one because of the germs. I mean, there's all reasons you see that we do things and there's reasons for the way we do things. You learn those reasons or those methods or those strategies or those hacks or tips or tricks or whatever you use when you make a cup of coffee. For example, you always do it the same because you've learned uh, this equipment works best for me. This coffee flavor brand works best for me. Uh, this right amount of sugar works best for me. This All this stuff works best over trial and error. It wasn't your first cup of coffee that was your best cup of coffee, right? So now you know this is how you're going to do it. But most of us do this stuff with kids um, in a detached way. Parents know better, but they don't teach better. And this storytelling opportunity is your chance to teach better. So you say, I remember when I was a little girl, 
and I had to go to the dentist. So a lot of these kids who are not brushing teeth, if they get to be six, seven, eight years old and they're eating a lot of junk or they've been on bottles too long, a lot of that stuff, these kids get yucky teeth and they have to go to the dentist and they get them removed or they get caps or all these other things happen because they're not brushing their teeth. Now, you don't want that to happen to your child. So you can tell the stories of those kids. Kids who didn't, you know, your parents did it to you. Uh, you know, when this happens, if you keep doing that, you'll, this will happen. You know, you keep crossing your eyes or whatever, they'll stick that way. Remember those things, those tips or tricks or hats? That those came from stories, whether you believed them or not, whether they were wives' tales or whatever or not, they were stories. And that's how you learned to do things properly. You watched someone demonstrate it from start to finish. You watched them make mistakes. You watched them have successes. And when they made a mistake because they were too fast or poured too much or did whatever, you adapt your behavior based on what you learn and your child is doing the same. But they need the details. They need the whys. They need the hows. They need all the extra steps. Not just step one, but step one through 10, you demonstrate. And then as you go through it, maybe one through three and then four through six. And then, you know, like I said, at least three steps at a time, because that's the story of how the thing gets done. Without the story, the child will be stuck waiting for the next what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. That's all they're thinking is waiting for the next prompt. They're not going to be independent, teaching, talking, learning, so that they can copy and do it again by themselves. They will always be stuck waiting for you without a story. So use stories to teach everything, everything, okay? You can and you should. And if you're not, you're missing out on the opportunity because you don't have any idea how much language kids learn from just this one strategy. Okay, because you teach them everything. Number three, following rules and staying safe. Okay, so again, we're back to explaining the why. Rules are in place. These are social rules that are in place for a reason. And again, there's a reason we um, wait for the red light because the cars know, you know what I mean? <laughs> that when it's red, they'll stop. When we, you know, when the cars stop, we have to wait for the light to turn green or the walk light to turn on to say it's okay because that tells the cars that stop, right? All of those things, these are stories about why it happens. And most parents, again, if you don't think that your child can understand, you won't tell them the whole story. You'll just say, stop, hold my hand, right? You won't tell them why it's important to do that because you don't want them to get squished by a car, okay? So, they're always based on a reason, and you tell the story to explain the issue that resulted in creation. Cars were squishing kids all over the place, so they put these special light things. We can push the button and wait for the light to tell us to cross. Isn't that nice that they did that because the situation happened? Or why do we not take glass to the pool? Or why do you have to stay near mom when you go into a crowd? Or all these reasons, there, there were issues, either potential issues in the future that you know are potentially there to happen. Your child get lost or abducted or whatever. You know, if you let they, they leave you in a crowd, right? Or they could learn the wrong way, right? They've learned the bad habits that get them into trouble or do things the wrong way. If they're not following the rules, they aren't learning the right way to have a successful experience. So you explain this issue and then you tell stories about the consequences that happen when we don't 
follow the rules. So you can use whatever example you have. It's like, you know, if we um, take something from the store that we didn't pay for because, you know, we got to have it and, you know, all those things, right? These are the boundaries and rules, why we have to walk, why we can't take glass to the pool, why we have to come inside at nighttime, why, all those things. These are, it's the reasons. And there are stories for the reasons. You have stories in your personal life that you experienced maybe when you were a kid. Remember, this is how a lot of parents teach their kids. We learn from our own situation. You see your child in the same situation. They're right there in front of you, trial and erroring through life. This is your opportunity right here to help them learn the right way, how to stay in the boundaries, because they're going to push the boundaries. That's what kids do. And instead of saying no, don't, and stop, and leaving it there because you think that's all your child can respond to. In fact, this is a really good strategy if your child is not responding to those things. Because the reality is they hear you say it. They're listening. They've heard you say, no, don't or stop. But the reality is they don't want to. It's just like that mom who says, it's time to go now. And the kid doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave the park. He doesn't want to leave the party. He doesn't want to leave the phone time. Mom says, time for that to quit. Let's go. Without any guidance or help through that transition or boundaries around what it is. So video time is up. Well, who set the boundary for video time? And then you can tell stories about how when kids have too much video time, then mommies don't get to play with them. And mommies feel sad because the child is talking to Blippi and, and all those guys. And here's mommy right here saying, I want to play with my little guy. I want to play with my little girl. I want to play with my child. I want to play pretend or read books or go for a walk. And all you want to do is play with Blippi. I got fun things to do. <clears throat> So that's why you have to limit that stuff. And you tell kids, these are real valid reasons. Just because you want to connect with your child is a valid enough reason to stop them from watching videos. As long as you offer them a better experience. Remember, you know better. The child doesn't know better. All they know is what they've got. But if you are using your creativity and imagination and telling stories, your child will find better things. They will. Okay? So... Talk about the consequences when we don't follow rules is the same. Uh Uh-oh, you know, what happened when people go to the jail or the policeman will come or that kind of stuff. You don't want to rely too heavy on those things, but there are stories about it. So remember, your child wants to take their favorite toy to school. And the rule is they can't take toys to school obviously because they don't want a bunch of kids' toys and kids fighting over toys, and that's mine. When they go to school, everything is the teacher's, and the teacher can control it. When a child brings their own thing, they don't like it. That's a reason. You can explain that to your child with similar language that I used. Just make it clear and detailed and connected to your child's experience. And guarantee, if you hold to these stories and keep telling these kids, then they will see, okay, she's serious about this rule. And there's those consequences that are looming, right? That's what makes you in your own mind decide not to break a rule when before you broke it. The second time you learned your lesson from these boundaries and rules, okay? So, okay, now we're going to be moving forward to the next one. 
All right, so we're going to be talking about remembering experiences, using storytelling to remember experiences. And this is where you're literally telling the stories of what happened. And we're going to keep with that visual aid strategy to use your photos and videos to relive your experiences through storytelling. You talk about how you packed to go on the trip and decided, remember, they wanted to take their blanket and then it got muddy when they took it on the trip or, you know, whatever. Or they, All of those things, how they packed, how you flew on the airplane, how you rode on the car, or the train or whatever. All of those things are stories to tell. It's not just, we saw elephants at the zoo. How did you get to the zoo? Who paid for the zoo? Was there a smell at the zoo? All of those things, your photos and videos. And then you use books to research other people's exciting stories and tell stories about your own experiences, yours, the parents' experiences, including lessons learned. Now, these books are... Um, Common. So you can use stories, like I said, in these situations, they're situational. This is a situational story. So you something's happening, uh, an event happens, um, maybe you went somewhere, right? So you went on vacation or you visited a, a thing or you saw a show or you went to a party or some experience that you had. And as a result of that experience, you changed a little. You tried your first birthday cake or you saw your first mountain or you swam in the ocean or you, you know, touched a, you know, fed a giraffe. Who knows what you did on that cool vacation, but there was something that was the first ever. And it'll always be in your child's mind because they're Gestalt learners representative. It will be the, you'll be thinking about when we went to Bali and they'll be thinking about the time they fed the giraffes right? Because remember, they live through experiences. They don't have a calendar and they're not remembering last Tuesday when I, you know, they're not, they live in the now and they want, they remember when an experience is presented again, even through pictures, you relive the same. So it's like if, you know, my daughter just got married and I looked at those uh, pictures again and started to cry all over, you know, it, I, they trigger emotion. They trigger the same feelings. They trigger the same experience that you had when you relive these things. So you want to dig in. It's not just labeling the things that you did. You want to look at those pictures and talk about what you see. If it's video, how did you react? How did the draft react when you gave it to them? What did you think about their tongue? Or how was the car ride or the airplane ride to get there? Was it super long? Did you eat some you cool airplane food? Did you watch a movie you hadn't seen? All of those things about the vacation are the stories that you can tell. And you should be talking about your past experiences. Again, parents don't do this with late talkers because they don't think they have the capacity to understand that complex language that is not here and now, that's talking about the past or the future. And your child does. These videos and the things that they've been exposed to, no matter how old they are, your stories will help them learn how to talk about these experiences. Every parent wants your kid to come home from the school and say, I did this and so-and-so did this and you won't believe what so-and-so said and then the teacher did this and they did that, right? But most kids come home strapped in the car and parents start asking them questions. What did you do? Who did you do? What is this? Blah, 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 right? If you start telling stories today, 
about the experiences that you do together with the child in the past. Even if it's like I said, your trip to the grocery store where the lady gave you a sample of pizza and you got to eat pizza at the grocery store because the lady gave you just a little piece and you just got to taste it and it was so yummy. We bought some and now we can cook it at home and eat it, right? This whole story of your experience at the grocery store, this story of your experience at the aquarium or the Bali trip or the birthday party. This is what will help your child start to be motivated to tell you experiences in the future. When they leave you and they come back, you'll already be in the habit of storytelling about your experiences. So instead of you giving the third degree and starting asking questions as soon as they get in the car, it will be automatically set up to have conversations. So for example, right after you have the party or you go, you know, you go to the party on the way to the party, you're going to talk about anticipating. Wow. I, I, I've been to parties before, so I know that there's going to be cake. There might be balloons. Some parties have balloons, but I know there's going to be friends. And I don't know if they'll have hats or noisemakers or party favors. Usually they have something, but we don't know what it is. We're going to have to go and see. So it's a mystery story, right? I wonder what it's going to be, but you're readying your child and all the language that you're saying, thinking about, I wonder what's going to happen. That's the first story you tell. Then you go to the party and you're at the party and maybe the child is afraid of the birthday song when everybody claps. And so you're going to tell the story of everybody's going to sing the birthday song and it's going to get really loud. So if you want to make sure you don't get part of that, stay right back here with me. Or if you want to be in the front to make sure you see him blow the candles, we'll put you right here in the front. See, you know your child. And so you're going to tell a story about what, how they're going to feel, anticipating what they're thinking. You're doing it anyway. So you're going to tell a story that's going to help them with a strategy. You're going to embed in there, just like that last one I talked about, into how that's going to help this child find a successful experience. So at the party, you'll remind them of that story that you told in the car or at home before you came to the party. And you'll say, okay, so this is the time. The birthday party song is coming. Do you want to hold my hand? Can I hold you? Do you want to stay by me? So we're all ready for it. And then the birthday party song happens and the child's fine because you've prepared them so much. And then you say, wow, that wasn't bad at all. We did great. They sang the song. You were very very calm. Now we get to eat cake. That's the best part ever. I know you don't like the birthday party song part, but always after we hear it, we get to get cake. And that's my favorite part. I know you want, let's get in line and get our cake, right? So then after the party on the way home, you talk about this thing. Remember the birthday cake time when you were scared about the song, but I helped you. I talked to you about how, what was going to happen. And I let you stay in the back or I got you to the front, whatever they wanted. And you facilitated it in the moment. And now you're telling the story about how great they did and how proud you are of them for riding through that experience and getting out of the store without begging for something or getting out of the, you know, whatever. They made it through a job experience opportunity event that they didn't before, that before was a catastrophe even. And this time it's better because you learned from the previous experience. You learned that you've got to prepare your child or you're, they're going to set you up for 
explosions, you know, as you go through this experience, you've learned you got to prepare them. They've learned that when you prepare them, they know what's going on and they don't have to use those behaviors. Okay. So it's a really, really good previous experiences are amazing storytelling rules. And just give your child credit for understanding. Okay. So remembering experiences, telling stories, what happened? We just saw, use this one. So let's go to the next. Number five is processing emotions, okay? So you're gonna tell the stories of how you feel. And it kind of relates to the previous one where we talked about experiences because remember, it was those experiences that triggered some really big behaviors that the child has used in the past. Whatever it was, um, it got big. It got biting, it got hitting, it got withdrawal completely, it got obsessive behavior, banging head. I just talked to a family this week whose child started banging their head on the floor because what happens is kids develop these behaviors without the story storytelling, kids develop the behaviors because they are feeling these things and they need people to react and help them process. So what you're going to do is this: use this last strategy to tell the story about what triggered the big behaviors. You, I didn't give you enough um, time with your iPad. I, we, I didn't give you enough warning before we left the party. I didn't, you know, you didn't have enough information and security and support and so that's why you use these behaviors. And this is the story, the story of why it happened. I didn't help you with the birthday cake. And I know that you don't like the birthday party song and you put your fingers in your ears and everybody started making fun of you and you didn't like that. And, you know, all those stories. You, these stories, especially these kids remember when people have talked down to them, when people have put, you know, all that stuff. So you and then you talk about the feelings of the characters in the stories, the people you know and meet and tell stories about emotional experiences you have had. So you can use even this um, this strategy with the five little ducks. Right. So these guys, as they do things, as they lost their mom or the mom is worried about her duckies, right? That's why she's quacking because she says quack, 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 because she's worried that her babies are going to go and get jumped up by an alligator or something. And she wants them to stay by her instead of going away. But duckies are curious and they want to go and explore just like you do when you go to the park and how they relate these things. You can relate other people's emotions emotions and situations to your child. And you can use these characters or you can use books because there are books that are all about emotions. Sorry, I dropped one too because you have it. And this book I love um, is a really good one to talk about um, sort of a situational thing because there are books that talk about manners, how to share, how to wait in line, how to do all that business, how to potty training books, all those things. This is by my little friend Ben Blanchett. He's a teenager with autism. He's a savant musician. He has perfect pitch and he can play lots of instruments. Um, and he's been homeschooled because he's got a physical condition that doesn't allow him to go to school. He gets sick really easy. And when he gets sick, he has seizures. So he has to stay home and he has autism and he was a late talker, did not start talking until after seven years old. And this little guy has, um, now he's performing music for, you know, in public and teaching and writing books and doing all that stuff. Now this book, so these books that are written for children about emotional situations that other children have, have all kinds of real, um, 
good you these are notes mm, these are all notes so but they have images in children's books where you can see how the you know this story maybe autism is my superpower or this little guy this was an adult um with a disability i think he's on the spectrum but might have also some intellectual disability this is super owl and it says being being different makes you super so it's another one of those these were sent to me by people who wrote books about their emotional experience of feeling less than super right um less than brilliant less than others um in their life due to their labels or their late talking or their different ways of communicating and things like that and so these kinds of books will help your child relate to other people so that they can learn and see from other people, you know, the kinds of things that they can do. All right. Uh-oh. Things went away. So uh, things got ahead of me. I have to come back here to find what I need. Woo! There we go. Oops. All right. So after processing emotions, um, like I said, with these five situations, you need to always remember that a lay talker needs to listen to a lot of these stories, a lot of them, before they're able to pick up and use the vocabulary and sentence structures that you're using when you tell them these stories, okay? So you're gonna be telling detailed stories just like I did. I did not use simple language. I used full sentences with lots of details, all the whys and hows, okay? And so you'll have to tell a lot of stories and they have to hear a lot of stories from a lot of people. They'll hear them from children who tell about why and how this one did that one, okay? So how can you, as the facilitator, know and trust that your child is understanding and learning from your speech models, right? From your stories when they're not responding right away with speech. So those analytical ways that you teach, they respond. So what happens is the lay talker will demonstrate that they're listening and learning as they move up through the levels of connection. So you can see, remember, progress starts after above the green line below the green line they're in fight or flight above the green line they're in connection and listening you can trust their listening by their behavior okay so they will definitely demonstrate and you can trust these 10 signs that your child is understanding so you're not tempted to go back to prompting because this is what happened when parents don't believe their kids can understand these stories because they don't respond right away, they quit. They quit telling the stories and they think that their kid doesn't understand and then they go back to prompting. So we don't want that to happen. I want you to stay with this strategy. It's very important that you don't give up. So follow these signs. Here's the first five. There's 10 of them that you can find and they move through the phases. So I just did a call with a woman um, from uh, New York and her son is seven and still nonverbal. And when we were having a meeting and he was in the room and I was telling stories about how this mom is going to help him and he's going to start talking because she's going to start telling stories and teaching him things. The, I saw these things happen and I was on the phone, the video talking to his mom. He just heard me saying these things in the room and I saw these behaviors, all of these behaviors. Number one, his movement increased. He started jumping on the bed, pacing around, throwing things around. 
around, okay? Because remember, these kids know on subconsciously that movement helps activate their learning so they will start moving when you start telling stories they'll start moving they're not going to sit and listen they're going to move more number two they will stay in the room but they may hide under a cover it's so interesting aaron did this when i went over to dubai and this little guy did it while we were in the room so we were in the bedroom and he went under the cover so he wanted to stay and listen but he knew he wasn't part of the call i was talking to his mom it wasn't part of him and she was like i need time to talk to marcy about you we're talking about your language we're talking about you learning and then he started to look he looked at the phone he looked at me, she showed me, she showed him the phone and he made eye contact with me. He looked right at me. No, she was like, look here. And I said, no, no, we don't have to prompt him to do anything. We're just telling him that we're having a conversation about him. We're I'm telling you the story to learn how to help him so that when you're finished with this call, you can go and connect with him and teach him things. And he will be happy about that because she's been heavily prompting, I promise you. Most of you have, that's what happens on these calls. And so he made eye contact and then he actually came over to the edge of the bed, rested his arm. I'm going to just, he like literally did this and started watching. So he did, he was moving and then he stopped moving to say, well, what else is she going to say? He was curious. He moved from, I want you to, I want my mom to stop talking to you on the phone to, wow, you're different. You're unique. You're like, you're talking about me. You're saying things that I like. They're valuable that I'm interested in. And he was understanding. And this mom did not believe that her son was understanding. Okay. So here's the first five. They'll move more. They'll stay in the room, but they might hide. And then they'll look right and then they'll make eye contact remember as long as you're not prompting as soon as you start asking a question do you like that you're feeling that they'll look away but when you tell stories they'll look at you and then they'll physically move toward you or they'll ask you to join them because that's what this did he held up the, the cover for his mom to come under the cover with him because that's what he wanted and she was like, nope, we've got to go back to talking. And he left. So then what happens is he'll touch the visual aids that you offer or try the skill you demonstrate. And so she said, I need half an hour. Can you go play with your auntie while I talk to Marcy? And he did. Like he will try. They will do what you need when you offer those things. And he touched his mom's face. She was talking to him. He's touching her face especially your hands and mouth, okay? Now remember, these are all nonverbal responses to you telling stories that you can believe that your child is understanding. So just keep going. You must keep going. When they touch your face, don't stop. Keep telling the stories. When they touch the thing, don't stop and prompt them to do something with it. Just let them explore with their hands, explore with their eyes. They might start to imitate then. They'll imitate nonverbal things first. They'll imitate your facial expressions. If you smile, they'll smile. If you make a grumpy face, they'll make a grumpy face. If you make a sad face, they'll make a sad face. If you're, because of what you're talking about, I'm sad you left me, oh, they'll make a sad face or they'll respond, right? And they might even imitate gestures and facial expressions first and then they'll vocalize more and it'll be their own vocalizations first their gestalt their ayayayas whatever they've got and then they'll start to use echolalia those phrases that they picked up from other places gestalt and then
they come out and they wake up, their throat's going to be sore, but they'll get to eat lots of ice cream and all of that if they've got to have tonsillectomy or ear fluid surgery or something like that. So strangers use stories all the time. And then, you know, the, you got the, the grandpa on the, on the bench with, if you look carefully at this guy, he's missing a leg, right? And this child is curious about the fact that that guy's got a pet, you know, an artificial leg. And he wants to hear this guy tell the story about his artificial leg and why he lost his leg and how he got a new one and all of that stuff. He wants to know. And this guy wants to share. The doctor wants to help the child feel secure about their surgery. And this guy wants to help the child not feel afraid of his metallic leg, right? So people, even all community helpers, strangers, people you meet at the aquarium, it literally did this this weekend. I worked at I volunteer at an aquarium and we've got a touch tank and there's a seven eight year old kid in there who had nonverbal autism his parents told me he's nonverbal and there's a horseshoe crab to touch and it's two finger touch you just reach it and touch you can't really do much harm to this thing unless you pick it up or something like that even then you probably wouldn't harm it but we don't want that behavior I always teach the behavior for the touch tank to be very gentle touch the animals very softly I tell the story about how they're little animals and they have legs and they have eyes and they have a tail that makes them into animals and so that reminds the child that they're not just a rock or something they can pick up and throw. They've got to give some consideration. I help the child connect with this horseshoe crab because I talked about this horseshoe crab's behavior as a story. Oh, look, he's grabbing onto his friend. The one was grabbing onto the other one. They come up to the top and they wave their legs. They don't, they're just doing it anyway because that's how they move. But I tell kids a story about how they're waving at the children to say hello. So if they don't want to touch, they can wave with their fingers at the crab and say hello. And if they do want to touch, they can touch bravely. But I never take their hand and make them do it. I always demonstrate many times. Just reach in and touch very carefully. You can do it. Just And these parents were like, no way is this kid going to do this. And he was scared at first. He saw those legs. But he was curious. So I got right down on his level. And we looked at this crab. Lo and behold, this mom's like, she's even saying, she's watching the situation happen. So the parents are standing right there and I just jumped in and started facilitating. And this little kiddo is like looking at me and looking at the crab and looking at me and looking at the crab. And I'm talking about that stuff and I'm demonstrating and doing it. And I'm talking about how it's really no big deal. It's really nice, but it's kind of cool that you can see it and touch it. And you can have that experience if you want. You don't have to. I never, ever make a child and I never, ever put their timeline on. And then what happened was I kind of went away and I left him with his dad. I took his mom over and I was talking about my platform and stuff. But what we look, the two of us were watching. And while dad was there, this little guy reaches in and pulls, the, pulls his hand and touched it. And then, of course, the water went splashing and he flapped his hands and he got very excited about the situation. And the dad freaked out a little bit. I was like, no worry. He touched so gently and softly. He followed all the rules and he did such an amazing job. And these parents were like amazed because they were telling me he's in an autism class and he's He's very heavily prompted. He's very compliant. But I never saw these parents in this aquarium experience take their hand off this kid's arm until I said, you can leave him. It's go. 
let, let them go. It's all right. And then I showed them other places where there's buttons to push and things to flip that didn't weren't animal involved that you could be as rough as you want. And this kid was gentle. I showed him he had to push a button really hard to make it activate. He had to flip these things and he did everything. I never forced anything. All I did was tell stories. Each station that I went to, I told a little story. This is this and this is how this works and this is this animal and this is how this works. And this little kid was calm. He looked in my direction. He wasn't always looking at me, but he stayed right there near me and I never touched him and it worked out just fine. So this is how, I, like I said, it works 100% of this time. This child didn't know me at all and he learned. So your first goal with storytelling is to trust that the child can understand far, 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 far more than you have assumed in the past. Just admit it, accept it, and start talking more because you won't know if your child can understand you unless you elevate your speech models, okay? So first goal is to trust. Then attract and maintain this connection and listening through your imagination and experience, okay? Storytelling, experiential learning. This everyday activity, storytelling, is necessary to help a late talker independently evolve. If you want them to talk on their own, you have to tell them stories. And if they want them to evolve their speech, basic limited communication expressions that they're using today, if you want them to evolve them into accurate and expanded language using full sentences and grammatically correct speech, that's what you need to be using accurate and expanded language in stories with all the steps, a beginning, a middle, and ending, reviewing, telling the stories again, using full sentences, long words, and grammatically correct speech. You just need to talk slowly and carefully to make sure that the late talker can understand every word you're saying, meaning, you know, do the speech. All right. So remember, those of you who feel like you've been misdiagnosed, no more second-guessing symptoms. Every hand flip, every toe walk, every red flag you learn about, I have a reason for that to be happening and a way for you to facilitate out of it. So thank you for watching. If you are interested, look in the live section of my video for these other videos, ten, five tips to change your child's mind, 10 things you need for a successful school term. It is my mission to help you get this kiddo, this late talker in your life, learning to be equipped and empowered with speech, to be able to use with everybody, confident enough that they will talk to strangers. You know, they'll listen to them first, as long as they can trust them, as long as that person earns their trust. And you earn trust by giving information, okay? It's that easy. Give information instead of take it, give more instead of taking, and your child will start talking more. Prove it to yourself. Don't, you know, you, you can take these strategies. What have you got to lose, right? You've got one week between now and next week that you can start telling more stories every day. Pick these five things, stick them in your itinerary and use these stories to tell about your life, tell about your history, tell about your child's life, talk about your future, tell the stories of your fantasy, make up things. This is where language comes from, okay? and your child has missed it. So now is your opportunity to put it back into their life.
Thank you so much for joining me on another video again today. Please visit wavesofcommunication.com so that you can check out all of my resources, sign up for my free newsletter, and like this video, subscribe to my channel, all of that stuff. Your support is what keeps me here every week doing these videos for you. Without it, I wouldn't be back. So thank you so much for everything, and best of luck with these strategies. I definitely want to hear how it goes for you. Thanks so much. Bye for now. With a whole range of Waves of Communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.